Welcome to We Got This Covered's Cinemaholics, the weekly movie review talk show where John Negroni and Will Ashton discuss the biggest and best films coming to theaters. So sit back, relax, and pour one out for the two and only Cinemaholics. Welcome once again to Cinemaholics, uh, the official podcast of WeGotThisCovered.com. I'm John Negroni from the Internet, California, and with me as always, it's the small town critic, Will Ashton. Hey, I like that new title. Small town it's critic, simple. yeah. Yeah. And of course, he's making sure you hear our voices crystal clearly. It's, of course, Soundmaster Maverick Hines. At least it's finally a title that doesn't like degrade me a little bit. It's not <laughs> yeah. like a backhanded compliment. No it's more not like the Soundmaster who's not good at his job, Maverick Hines. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the guy who would just kind of keep around. But now Maverick is in the official intro. Or not the intro. He's in the official description. Of now the that we're talking podcast. about it, let's <laughs> talk about how my name is not in the intro. Yeah, we're working on it. That's yeah, coming. I'm sure. And I'm sure it's probably are. not going to be in it. I don't think any of our names are going to be in the new intro. Oh, that's great. So instead of adding me, it's like, you know what? Let's get everyone out of here. <laughs> Listeners decide. <laughs> yes. Who do you want in the intro? <laughs> yes. Let's let them decide. Please, Alex, don't talk about this. Everyone else, talk about my name and how yeah. it should be in the intro. We need we need names for the three and only. How right. many comments will it take for you to accept it, John? On record, how comments? many comments? 500,000. Okay, realistically. <laughs> can I get like a five? 50. 50? 50, 50 comments saying Maverick's name should be in the intro. Oh, that's not fair. Give me, give me 25. Give me half. 35. 30. Take it 35. 30. Say yes. Will's a part of this. Will, do you agree with 35 or 30? You're the deciding factor. Uh, I'm going to be the median. I'm going to say 32. You're the worst person <laughs> I've ever met. 32 it is. Oh, if 32, we can get fine. 30, I'll cross all platforms. It doesn't have to be on one thread. Okay. If we get 32 comments on iTunes, Omni, whatever, Twitter, Facebook, messages included, uh, YouTube, I want this everywhere. I need 32 <laughs> people to say Maverick's name should be in the intro. And you all guys right, will just, you, you guys will make okay. me so happy. All right. Um, and also, also, John has to give me a thousand dollars. Hey, Will, how do we delete <laughs> oh, <wow>. comments on <laughs> yeah, uh, blocking everyone who yeah, comments? <laughs> please, please, fans. I mean, if we lose a bunch of fans just because we don't want Maverick in the intro, then I guess it is worth it. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> All right. This week, we're talking about Blade Runner 2049, a film that, uh, you know, I, I'm honestly really excited to talk about. And we're just going to jump right into it. But first, of course, we're doing mini reviews after the cut. And that is going to be all about Mountain Between Us, Good Place Season 2, and Long Shot on Netflix. So that said, let's talk about, uh, but you know, I, I wanted to preface this because with Blade Runner 2049, we're not going to spoil things, but uh. we're not going to spoil things. Uh, you know, and, and in fact, Denise Villeneuve has asked us to not, yeah. he's asked people like specific, don't give away certain plot details. Yeah. I remember when I saw the film, they like made a note to have the representative be like, you mm-hmm. can't talk about this and this and this and this and this. So I'm basically Which is great. only allowed to say that Blade Runner is about a hundred and, uh, was it 67 minutes long? Two hours and 44 minutes. Yeah, that's about fact, all I can I'm really still say about in it. the film. <laughs> we, I mean, you're exaggerating, obviously. We, we are going to talk about Blade Runner 2049, I believe, in a very satisfying way. And hopefully we'll have plenty of time for spoilers. We can get to it. Uh, but we'll give you a huge warning so you, you don't accidentally hear anything you don't oh, want to so hear. So we but are going to talk about spoilers eventually. There, the things that I do want to mention here, um, I, there are a couple of things I do want to talk about with Blade Runner, the first one. Okay? Which I saw for the first time this you week. You did. You, Same and, here. And, and part of it is that, like, if you've never seen the first Blade Runner, I don't recommend you listen to this review. No. I think that you should watch the first Blade Runner, and then you can watch this review if you want to make up your mind on 2049. But I think, like, all of us, like, would recommend, go I, see the first Blade Runner. I'm so glad that I saw the first Blade Runner and knew mm-hmm. very little about this one going into it. I think it made the experience so much better for me. I, I mean, yeah. I will say that I think if you didn't see the first one, it won't completely kill your experience of the film but at the same time it'll only benefit your viewing experience if you see the first one and it just it's a good film too so you're really only helping yourself um and you know the there's the obvious question of which blade runner cut people should watch uh so there's seven total three that are actually like there's pretty seven? easy to get to yeah wow. the, there's seven you know including the one that was made for television and you know dvd and there, there's a lot of different versions but there are three main versions that are widely available. You can get the U.S. theatrical version, uh, so just pure form, whatever what came out in 1982. And there's a director's cut, which is modified to like it. it there's that's where like the biggest changes come. And then there's the final cut, which is what you watched, Maverick. 
That's what I watched, everybody. Yeah. The final cut is not that different from director's cut. It's basically the director's cut with like a lot of enhancements. Um, it, it not, not in like really weird phantom menace ways where just like, there's just random CGI crap everywhere, but like they, they basically updated the color scheme and they added some detail to some of the matte environments and it's cool. It's uh, I always recommend the final cut cause it's just the director's cut a little bit better. Would you agree with that? Will? Yeah. I mean, I've heard people say that the final cut is basically what the, um, remodeling or whatever they call it, the new versions of star wars um it's basically the good I, version i disagree i i think the yeah. ones the way they did it for star wars is doesn't enhance it but the i think the final cut legitimately enhances it well that's what i mean like it's what those revisions should have been for star wars gotcha yeah yeah and uh and i think people some people prefer the director's cut because they like just that like style i guess like they they like the minimalism of it if that makes any sense. And I don't know, there's a charm, but it's all aesthetics. Uh, I, whatever you do, don't watch the U S theatrical version. We talked about it last week. I was going to say, I mean, I saw the theatrical cut for the first time this week and I saw the final cut for the first time this week. And I will say that, I mean, beyond the fact that the, or the final cut is just a better film. It's also kind of hard to find the theatrical cut, at least like online. Like if you're trying to watch, uh, either version it's going to be a lot easier to find the final cut so i mean you're just better off watching the final cut so it's been decided yeah. <laughs> so one of the reasons i bring that up is because there are like certain plot details in 2049 that we can sort of allude to because they're in the trailers involving uh rick decker the main character from the first one and so that that's your warning let's uh let's start things off with Blade Runner 2049. And you know what? I, I The way that I think we should do this is we should preface with what our opinion of the first movie is and then lead that into just overall, what was your takeaway from the sequel? And starting with Will Ashen, as always, we'll get us started with our review for Blade Runner 2049. All right. So you wanted me to start with my thoughts on Blade Runner and then go into well, final, or to 2049? Actually, first, let, let's actually go through like the details. So I didn't mention like the synopsis and all that. And I feel like... I feel like uh, dedicated listeners would be like, where's the director, all that stuff. So, okay. Mm-hmm. The IMD synopsis is a young Blade Runner's discovery of a long buried secret leads him to track down former Blade Runner, Rick Deckard, who's been missing for 30 years. Great synopsis, gives nothing away. Uh, the film was directed by Denise Villeneuve and it was written by Hampton Fancher. He did the screenplay uh, as well as Michael Green. And the film stars Ryan Gosling as Kay, uh, Dave Bautista, Robin Wright, Andre Armas, Sylvia Hoax, Jared Leto, Mackenzie Davis, and Lenny James. Uh, oh, and of course, Harrison Ford. <laughs> <laughs> Can't uh, forget him. For those of you who don't know, uh, the original Blade Runner was based on the book Do Androids Dream Electric Sheep by Philip K. Dick. Hmm. All right, so back to you, Will Ashton. Go ahead and listen. Right. Yeah, so I mean, like I said earlier in the episode, this is... A big week for Blade Runner for me. I saw the theatrical cut, I saw the final cut, and I saw uh, 2049. And, I mean, I had a lot of expectations going into the original Blade Runner because, you know, it's those, it's one of those films that's like... It, it was obviously not appreciated at its time, and obviously it's become, it's become a hugely influential film. And, you know, it's, it's one of those films that, like, everyone has... If they haven't seen it, they have at least seen something that's been inspired by it, whether it's The Matrix or Ghost in the Shell or what have you. So, I mean, I definitely enjoyed Blade Runner, the original cut, or the the original Blade Runner. It's, I mean, it's basically a noir uh, thriller with robots. I mean, that's kind of like the most simpli- simplistic way to put it, but it's also just a generally good, you know, mystery thing. And it's, I mean, I would say if you're going to see this movie, definitely check that one out. But I mean, 2049, it is... And all, and like basically every sense, a superior film, in my opinion. It it's hard to really compare them. I mean, because we're obviously talking about two very good films, but I mean, just Denise just really stepped up his game. I mean, he's been kind of building up to this movie. I feel like with Sicario and you know Arrival last year, and even Enemy to an extent. I mean, he's been kind of working his way up the ladder, and this is a hell of an accomplishment from him from the production design to the score to special effects to the directing and especially most especially the cinematography by Roger Deakins who is always great but seeing him on the big screen using this platform in this world I mean it's absolutely incredible what he did I mean 
I feel like this is going to be one of those episodes where we're just, I'm hoping this is going to be one of those episodes where we're only gushing about the film nonstop, but I'm going to let you take it, John. Oh boy. Uh, you want me to go next? That's right. Oh, going in the middle? This is weird. I mean, I, yeah, no, you, you go in the middle. All right. Well, you know, the first Blade Runner, uh, I, I love the first Blade Runner. I don't think it's that great <laughs> anyway. Like, okay, what I love about Blade Runner is, like you said, it's such a really cool idea of like the noir film and uh, this idea of like a really simple detective story. Um, and it's it's just beautiful. I mean, that movie was so inventive. It's just like w- the practical effects that they pulled off. It's one of the biggest technolo- technological achievements of its time. And it came out the same year as E.T. And it basically invented cyberpunk. It's inspired so many movies. And it deserves all the respect it gets. It's a classic. However, the first Blade Runner does not age super well. You know, I grew up on the theatrical version. I watched it with the narration and I grew to love it. And it's great if you're younger because the narration helps you understand like just things that are going on. And I remember revisiting the movie as an adult. Uh, I watched the director's cut, uh, I think like right when it came out in 2007, 2008, because around that time I was starting to get into uh, some more serious films. And I just remember being so unimpressed with like the action. I really think the action is a big weakness. I mean, there are certain moments that are great, but the, what really makes Blade Runner as good as it is, is honestly Roy Batty. Uh, and it just that monologue at the end of the movie is one of the, one of the greatest pieces of dialogue in all of fiction. And so, like, yeah, that, I, I like the first Blade Runner, Blade Runner a lot. I respect it a ton. Blade Runner twenty forty nine is just the perfect sequel to the first Blade Runner. It is like, and, and it took me a few minutes to like collect my thoughts on this because I I knew the entire time, like while I was watching the film, that I was watching a masterpiece. And like, I was scared to admit it. Like, I, I, I was just like, how am I watching? How is this thing happening? You know, and I, it, it, it's every aspect of this movie. Every aspect of it works for me. Even, you know, we could point to some flaws. Uh, we can point to certainly some takes from other critics who don't probably don't like it as much as we do. And a big factor you should consider is the fact that, you know, all three of us are a lot younger than the people who watched Blade Runner in the theater as adults, who I think they're going to have a different opinion of Blade Runner 2049 um, to an extent. So that said, I, I, I think that what 2049 does is it's not trying to invent a lot of things. It is basically taking things that exist, uh, like a good sequel does, and it just makes them so much better. You know, it progresses, you know, it, the 30 year gap is so felt between the mm-hmm. first movie and this one, but in believable ways. And we can get into detail, detail for that more than, uh, later. Uh, I I love this film for the story. I think it is the most beautiful film I've seen in years. I'm struggling to come up with a film that has as many moments as a movie that has as many moments as this one, where I just like was soaking in every detail from like sound to what I'm looking at, the environments that I'm looking at, the lighting. It's pitch perfect. It's the best work from Roger Deakins. And that's saying a lot. He's guaranteed an Oscar if he doesn't get it. We riot at this point, and uh, that's not to say anything about the performances. Uh, Harrison Ford is actually really good in this. Robin Wright is really good in this. Jared Leto isn't in the movie a ton, which is graceful, and uh, we can talk about that, Will. But yeah, uh, across the board, I think Blade Runner 2049 is a masterpiece, and I'm excited to point out the things that I don't love as well, but they're all overshadowed by this film for me. Maverick, what do you think? (laughs) Uh, I'm doing the original Blade Runner first, right? Want me to start if with? You want, it? yeah. So yeah, I watched it for the first time this week, like I, <clears throat> like I mentioned before, um, and I was really pleasantly surprised. I hadn't heard a lot about it other than people like mentioning the movie, but as far as like details and stuff, I really didn't know much about this movie at all. Um, and I was surprised by its uniqueness. I really enjoyed it. It was something I haven't seen uh, a ton of since. And, and like you said, it's inspired a lot, but I still think the originality of that movie was is really cool. Um, and I, I really enjoyed that movie. Um, I don't want to point out much flaws and review it super deep because I just, I liked it. I had a good time with the first one and it made me super excited to see 2049. Um, like I always do complain about length of movies when I found out it was two hours and 45 minutes long. I was, I was scared. You're really depressed, man. I, I, I was just like, feeling. man, I, I hope this isn't one of those movies where I'm just like, 
Okay. But then I was like, we're watching it in IMAX, and that perked you up. Well, it was my first time seeing an IMAX movie, which I did not like, by the way. I loved 2049. I did not like IMAX a ton. It just seemed <laughs> like it was just loud. Like, it was just louder. It didn't seem like better quality or anything like that. It just seemed like they were trying to hurt me. That's a different conversation. <laughs> anyway, uh, 2049, I have a tendency to accidentally give things away, so I have to be very careful with how I talk. I loved this movie. Um, I told John this has definitely been probably one of like the top three movies I've seen this year, and that's just because of how much love I had for the other ones. This might be one of my favorite movies I've seen ever. Um, wow. I, I really enjoyed it. It was, again, what the things I liked about the first one I saw this week was the, the originality in it. And this, even though it was playing off a lot of some of the original stuff, I, I still think that this was just an incredibly unique and original story that did a good job of not letting me guess what was going to happen. And that's what I really appreciate about it because I thought, you know, I, I love trying to guess things. It's one of my favorite things to do is be like, like whenever I watch a movie with John and I think it's a movie that's got a twist, I'll take a note and be like, at this time, this far in the movie, I think this is going to happen. And I'll like try and prove myself right. Like I love guessing plots. Um, and this movie, it, it got me and I, and I appreciated that a lot. Um, I have to walk around how I'm saying this very carefully. <laughs> I'm trying really hard for you. Uh, but I, I just, I loved it. And in the cinematography was fantastic. I, I loved the visual aesthetic of everything, the the different pieces we saw was just, I, I don't, I, I'm gushing. I just, I, I can't get over how much um, I enjoyed this. And it, and like John, it took me a minute to realize, you know what I mean? Like I, I talked, we, me and John always kind of do like a quick debrief after a movie. Like, so what did you think? And like, we were both just kind of like, yeah, like we didn't have a lot to say like we normally do. Like we we're usually pretty quick to dissect and point out and whine. But this time we I think we just we didn't drive together, so we just got into our cars and like yeah, drove away quietly. <laughs> if we had been standing by each other at the urinals, you know, who knows what conversation would have been. Yeah. <laughs> but uh no, and, and I was surprised. I'm not the biggest fan. Uh I can't even remember the actor's name. The guy plays Agent K. Ryan Gosling. Yeah, I'm yeah, not the biggest Gosling fan. I, I haven't seen a lot of stuff he's in. I am. And I was tentative because uh, because I haven't seen a ton of stuff with him. I was like, I wonder how you know this guy's gonna do. And I thought he did fantastic. Um and I really appreciated that even though Harrison Ford was in this, that, okay, got to be careful again, <laughs> that Harrison Ford, like, they didn't, like... It's safe to say he's not in the movie that much. Yeah, they didn't... Yeah, they, he's important, They didn't it, yeah. use him to a fault. They don't and I was, and This I, isn't like Force Awakens where he's the movie. Exactly, yeah. It, they didn't use him to the point where it's like, okay, we get it, Harrison Ford's in this. And I, and I appreciated that because the trailer kind of made it seem like... A lot of the movie revolved around his reveal, which is why I was worried about it. Yeah, you guys remember, and I'm glad I was wrong about it. Yeah, exactly. So I was, I was also worried. I was like, oh man, here we go again. But I think I can talk about every little piece. Ryan Gosling, we're gonna go blow up the Death Star. I think he did great. I was so pleasantly surprised by his performance, Gosling's. Yeah. So yeah, Uh, yeah, one of his better performances in a long time, to be honest. Uh, Yeah, you know what? Most movies are terrible at endings. You know what movie's not terrible at its ending? Blade Runner 2049. I agree. The third act of this movie, there's something that happens where everything from the music to the motion to the dialogue to the execution, it's one of the best endings to a sci-fi movie. It makes War for the Planet of the Apes ending look like a bad joke. Look like the alien. And uh, I love War for the Planet of the Apes. And that's the other thing. There are more interesting sci-fi ideas in here than every other sci-fi movie of 2017 combined. And that's in a year where War for the Planet of the Apes and Valyrian came out. I, yeah. I, is that, am, am I saying too, is that too much? Like, no. No, I think it's fair to say. And I think you're not saying too much. I, I loved War for the Planet of the Apes. I really did. I would never watch Planet that movie again if it meant I could watch this one every day. Oh. <laughs> well, it's not a competition. <laughs> uh, we, both, we love both films. Okay, so Will Ashton. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> what did you mention anything about the performances or did you want to expand on that a little bit? Uh, well, I wanted to talk about the performances, but I'm afraid like Maverick that I'm going to dwell into spoilers. So I was kind of etching around them, but yeah, I mean, I will say just as a heads up to, uh, people like you were saying before, I mean, don't expect a ton of Harrison Ford in here, but I think he is generally really good. I don't know. I, I don't know what it is about this and, uh, force awakens, but I think, the fa- even I mean I know a lot of people tend to crap on Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, but I feel like in those three films, when he revisited the characters, there is like a liveliness to liveliness to him that's been kind of missing in a lot of his other roles. 
And I do think that he kind of, he, he uses, he has a very, I guess, cantankerous kind of screen presence these days that I've, that's easily parodied, but I mean, it does kind of work in this film. And I mean, I, I know you guys were talking already about Gosling and stuff. And I do think without getting into spoilers that he is really well fit. And I, I think I've heard some people complain, like, I don't know if it's going to work and stuff. And I think it, it does. I mean, like I said, I'm really trying to walk on eggshells here. But did you want to talk about Jared Leto or just skip over him? Yeah, honestly, I, Leto. Yeah, he <laughs> if there was a weak link. I would say it's him to an extent. Uh, I, I, but See, I didn't, I didn't mind, mind his performance. Yeah, I didn't yeah, I mind he was it. I just, fine. I mean, like, I yeah. I mean, he I felt really one-dimensional to me, if, and that's not something I like to throw around. But I, I didn't get a real feel for his motivations. I thought that Love, his uh, his assistant, was a mm-hmm. way more interesting character and sure. one that yeah, I think I the movie cared more about, and so I cared more about. Yeah. You know? But he had some good scenes. I mean, it, yeah, it wasn't something where I was just like, oh, you know, like it wasn't like the Joker from Suicide Squad. Right, yeah, no, totally, I agree with that. Was he that? Was he, he bad in that? Was he bad as that? Um, I didn't see. So you haven't seen it. No. <laughs> well, you Will would never- say good for you. I would say, yeah, it's not really worth watching. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, it is hard to talk about, but at the same time, it, it, one, one thing that I'll point out: the first Blade Runner was all about what it, what it means to be human. Right. You know, and, and in that movie, the rules are very different from this one uh, in terms of like what society is like, what's happened in the last 30 years. You know, they explain in, you know, the title card that uh, the replicants, you know, basically they were outlawed for a while and there was just a lot of plague and, and famine and like the dystopia that we have in 2049 is so palpable. Uh, Villeneuve is so good at making this world feel like an eventuality of what's come before it. In the sense that, like, just just the little factions here and there, the details, how things are constructed, how technology has changed and progressed, but not really at the same time. Uh, the Joy character, which I, I'm looking forward to talking more about in spoilers. Uh, there, there's so much going on here, uh, but also in, in terms of, like, what the whole thing means. You know, I... The, because this movie, instead of it being about what, is, what does it mean to be human, this one is about what does it mean to be a replicant. It explores what the replicants are more in this film uh, in a very rewarding way, I think. And, you know, just general themes. And that all ties back to like my, the main reason I knew I was watching a masterpiece in 2049 was because like, I didn't have time to soak in what just happened. Like so much sensory detail that, pro- that I found profound at, all at once. I was like, people are going to be dissecting and talking about this movie for years. The same as the first one. And I think that for good reason. And to me, that really does mark a masterpiece when a movie sparks thoughtful conversation about film, inspires wonder for people, and actually gets people to like, maybe they want to pick up a camera someday and make a movie because they're so inspired by what this movie does. But we said nice things. So let's say some mean things. I can't. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to say one last thing before we get into the negatives. I want to really applaud Warner Brothers. I mean, I know they get a bad rap for like DC, or I, well, I guess we can't even call it's it the really DCEU a anymore. Sony movie. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, and that's a uh, that's that's one complaint I will have later on. Uh, the Sony but, uh, product placement. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, we <laughs> can talk about that now. That, it was awesome. Uh, oh, you like that, Maverick? I just thought it was like I thought it was awesome, in, like a funny way. I wasn't like, oh, this yeah. is cool. I was just like, of course. I think after the Red Lair Media Ghostbusters review, the product placement in their movies has been super obnoxious to me, <laughs> just because I've been noticing a lot more. And yeah, it that's a it's a minor complaint in the scheme of things in Blade Runner twenty forty nine, but it is super obnoxious when it is there. Uh, but anyway, no, I was gonna say, I mean, I know Warner Brothers they tend to get a lot of hassle and stuff like that, but I mean, between like Bla- or um. Between Mad Max Fury Road and this, I mean, I really applaud them for, you know, making these adult, mature, you know, thoughtful blockbusters that, you know, can seem kind of, you know, disastrous on paper, but they turned out really, really good. They are really audacious, big projects, and there was a point where it wasn't really clear if they were going to be good, and they were both excellent. So, I mean, I applaud them for taking the risks to make these big R-rated blockbusters. I agree. I agree. And, uh, yeah, let's get into the negatives uh, I'll, I'll start. I I do think that some of the movie is a little bit problematic. I, there is a point 
toward the end of the film where it started to feel like a young adult book movie. And uh, I can't really say why, but like there was just this trope that it ended up using and they, they did a good job with it. It didn't bug me that much, but it felt kind of forced in. Like it, it just didn't feel there. There were certain subplots that like got kicked off, disappeared for the entire movie and then came up. And I, I, it's a nitpick, honestly, it, it did sort of feel like, cause the entire movie does feel like its own thing. Like they didn't beat us over the head with like new franchise, but they definitely like, they definitely hint that mm-hmm. a third one should and could come, you know, and it's not necessarily a, a really negative thing, but it, it did distract me, took me out of the movie. And so like, got to, got to point it out. Yeah. I mean, no, that's, that's a totally fair point. I will say, and I don't know if you guys will agree with this. I think there are some parts of mill that did kind of drag for me. I don't know if it's just the fact that it is two hours and 47 minutes long, but I mean, there were a couple like scenes in the middle where I was kind of like, uh, I don't know, like lengthwise, it just was kind of need a bit of a pickup. So I don't know if they could trim something or if it's just because it's already kind of a little more slow burn film, but that's my only real like honest complaint, unless we're going to get into some spoiler territory. I could see what you're saying in like the second half of the middle. Yeah, probably. That's what I'm kind of. Well, part of part of the the part of parts of the middle part 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 the parts of the middle that I liked were all the ones where I do like the slow burns. I do like the establishing shots because. I don't know. I was always distracted by what I was looking at. It was never like the same sort of thing. And like, there were always still new ideas happening. Um, there's a location that, uh, that Kay goes to that. I mean, they spend like five to 10 minutes of him just walking through and it's just him, the score and like experiencing this location. And I was in awe. It was one of my favorite parts of the movie. It held my attention. I'm trying to think of, I, I do think I did have that feeling once or twice of like, where, when is the end of this thing? But I don't think it was ever in a negative way. For the first time ever, I not once did that happen to me. I mean, I was like, <laughs> I was obsessed with this movie. And I'm really happy to say I wasn't complaining about length during the movie. I feel like really happy about that hmm. because I'm always complaining about the length of a movie and like, oh, this felt slow. But like, even like you guys said, the slow burning moments, like I was just like, I was so into it that I was like, I don't this could be so i guess but like i don't care like this is awesome like the score had me go it was just, it was awesome <laughs> there, there is like an entire set piece that i think they could have either taken out of the movie entirely or cut in half um and we can talk about it in spoilers but it involves like a certain part of the investigation that felt at that point a little i don't know we, we can talk about it um do you guys think that the you know, I've read some complaints. I don't think I agree with them, but I've read other critics' takes on this and it. Some people kind of saying that the story is like really simple and that it it's just a lot of ideas. Like one complaint I heard was like the AI stuff felt like uh, other movies and TV shows had done a better job exploring that artificial intelligence. Do you guys agree with that? Uh, not really. So. <laughs> I think of like the movie people cite, um, and I'm not going to say what movie it is, but like there is a certain movie that feels like the precursor to this in terms of the ideas that it, it brings about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I think I yeah. don't. You don't. Well, we'll talk about um, text spoilers. It to me. We'll talk about it. I feel like I feel like this is a, a lost cause. We got to get into into spoilers. Otherwise, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that one cool. part that I can't tell you was nice. <laughs> yeah. Look, the bottom line is we all love Blade Runner 2049. Um, without with few exceptions. So let's get into our final thoughts just quickly. And then we will start up the spoiler discussion. And if you want to skip our spoiler discussion, just go to the timestamps and look out for when we get into our mini reviews. So you can check out those, but starting with Will Ashton, what are your final thoughts and grade? Yeah. So I guess when I got out of this movie, the first thing I kind of wrote in my notepad was this movie is a monumental triumph. And I feel like that's something that's been kind of on my mind since I've seen it. And the sense that like everything about this movie really just astounds me and how not only grand and expansive it is, but just how well it's put together on every single level. I mean, this is just a class filmmaking, especially for blockbusters today. I mean, we are always talking about wanting these sequels that are mature and sophisticated and smart like this. And it just feels good to have a movie that like kind of lives up to this potential in a big expensive way. And I mean, I don't know if people are going to show up to this. I could see some people thinking it's too slow or too weird in some moments, or they're just simply not familiar with the original film. But if you have the chance, I mean, I know it's a big commitment. It's a three hour film, 
please make an effort to see this film, especially in the IMAX, if you want to see it on the biggest screen possible. Yeah, I disagree I mean, with Maverick. Is, I think the IMAX was amazing. Yeah, I mean, I wish I could see it on the IMAX. I mean, it's definitely a film that fills the screen. It fills the speakers. It's going to be worth your time, money, and investment. So I'm going to give it a firm A-. minus. Hmm. An A- minus from Will. That means it's an A+. Plus. In yeah. Normalsville. Normalsville, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know, honestly, the last time I gave a film, like, an A. I'd have to think about it. I'd have to go through the notes. John, see where... John, that what was the last movie you gave an A-plus to? An A-plus? Yeah, have you have you given an A-plus? Since I've known I gave, you? I think the last movie I gave an A-plus to was Moana. Cool. That makes sense. I was just curious. <laughs> yeah, knowing me. Um, okay, so, Maverick Hines, what about you? Um, I think... It's important to say. So I I agree with you. Well, I I just I think this movie is is great, and and it's it's a movie that has a lot of just awesome sophistication and ideas. And like I said, it's it's an original movie that it, it's <laughs> I've said awesome probably more times in this episode than I have since I've been on the show. But uh, I mean, it fits that in like the literal sense, not like awesome like teenagers use it like it's an awesome movie yeah it it, it puts you in awe it truly is it's 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 one of the best things i've seen on the screen since becoming a cinemaholic it's one of my favorite things i think i might have ever seen um in a movie theater seat and and i I enjoyed all of it and i will say that um like when when john and i saw lost island of z it was one of those movies that john was like this is an incredible city of z sorry yes lost city of z you know john raved about how how it was a a good movie. I think you even might have said the word masterpiece then too. Maybe you didn't mean it as much as you do now, but you brought it up. Yeah. And that was a movie that I think it went a little bit over my head being a little bit more on the cinesober side of things. And I think that even though this movie that we're talking about Blade Runner qualifies for the masterpiece conversation, it's not a movie that is hard to follow. You know what I mean? It's, it's just great and it's, it's entertaining and I have nothing bad to say about it and I never will ever. And for me, oh, wow. it's just a solid A. Hmm. Right on. Maybe an A plus, just because of my heart. I, I I've decided, like I decided in 2017 to drop the A plus, uh, because I think that I at least to like reserve the A plus a little bit more, um, for films that just truly aren't just like exceptional and perfect, but like have something even more than that. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. I don't know when the next movie I'll give an A plus to, to will be. To be honest, um, I've given three A's this year uh to baby driver the student and battle of the sexes um they're they're my top three movies of the year i I adore those films and i i love because like for for our listeners you know at home the way i grade movies a lot of it does have to do with story plot and how how much is how much i can dissect things and how much i can like find meaning in movies so that's that's how my grading system works but to blade runner 2049 i've said a lot of it already uh you know, that's definitely the case with this movie. It, it is it, it is a movie that I will never stop thinking about, learning new things about. And just the fact that it, it gets so many things right, like it, it's it's the, be- it's the most beautiful film of the year. Um, I think it ha- it's the best sci-fi of the year. I think it's, it, it's just a film with so many ideas that just feel so connected. Because like you could look at this as a simple detective movie with like vignettes of sci-fi subplots. And I think... I was a little worried about that, like as it was happening, because I was like, if this stuff doesn't come together, then it's going to feel kind of random. And I never like revisited that concern. And in fact, like the movie actually ends in a way that puts everything into one. And that astounded me. That was the moment where I realized this is an A movie. Uh, and it's going to be one of my favorite movies of all time, probably. It's going to be easily be in my top 25, top 30 of all time, probably. And, uh, you know, for good reason, I'd say. Um, so, yeah. So, that's that's our baseline thoughts. Uh, now we're going to dig into spoilers. Did you give it a grade? Uh, I said A. Oh, sorry. I missed it. I didn't yeah. hear it either. Did I not say A? I don't think you did. I'm sorry. It John gives A. it an A. <laughs> I give it an A. <laughs> so, yeah, it's one of my top... It's now in my top three of the year. Um, and I, 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 truly, I truly adore this movie. It's really good. Okay, so... Let's get into our spoilers. If you don't want to get spoiled on Blade Runner 2049, please stop listening. Uh, skip ahead. Go to our uh, show notes, and you'll see right where to go to check out our mini-reviews. We were talking about Mountain Between Us and some other great stuff. But for now, gentlemen, let's start to speak freely about Blade Runner 2049 with the biggest, most important question. 
Guys, what happened to the dog? Is the dog okay? No. Okay. How the dog? How how's the dog going to get its whiskey now? Yeah, that's I mean, the real. Like, how's it going to eat food? Yeah. Well, that was our spoiler discussion. <laughs> Join us next week. <laughs> All right. Um, some things that like we weren't able to talk about. You guys can just jump in. I'm trying to remember. Like, well, yeah. I, I mean, just so we're clear, you were talking about her. I'm guessing. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah, that okay. oh, I didn't that. see that movie. That's why Joy, the the artificial intelligence subplot in here was the thing that I was worried about. I was worried that it was not going to come together. Did Did you have that feeling at all, Will? Uh, not really. I mean, at first I was kind of like, uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, I didn't know about that going in. I don't know if that's something you knew about going in. No, not at all. Um, which was nice. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm glad we're talking about in spoilers. Cause that's one of the things they told us not to talk about. Yeah. Cause uh, in, in the, depth. in the trailer, they, they make, um, joy seem like, like she's a person. Yeah. Like, yeah. She, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And that's, um, what's the actress's name? I know she's Eli Ross. Ana de Ana de Ana. Don't yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you guys have you guys seen her other movies? Because this this might have been the first thing you've seen her in. I'm guessing. Seen a uh, knock knock. Um, you okay, know you how saw I, knock knock. Yeah, you know how I feel about Eli Roth. Yeah, I was gonna say. Um, I plan. She, on yeah, no, this I mean, is, this is I think the movie that's going to catapult her to. I hope so. Stardom. And yeah, I mean, because like, I wasn't super impressed by her performances in her husband's films, and those are the only things I've seen her in before that, but. I mean, my God, she is like a radiant beauty in this. I mean, like she is just, I mean, I mean, it's a hard role to sell and she has like this charm and intelligence and sensitivity to her that really, I mean, sells a hard She's the heart of this movie. Right. Exactly. hundred percent. And I mean, I, I think you were kind of complaining that some of the the scenes between them were might be maybe a little cheesy or maybe a little too YA-esque. No, that's not actually what I was considering YA at all. Okay. My YA issues were with the whole like we're starting a revolution and yeah. you're the oh, okay okay that makes us. sense that makes i sense. was like oh my god what is this like maze okay. runner like come on but no okay. everything with joy say. like the whole introduction to joy that entire scene in his apartment but in fact that entire stretch the the beginning of this movie was pitch perfect goes on a mission comes mm-hmm. back experiences prejudice as a replicant and then comes home to his fake wife I have I, that was one of the best introductions to a character in a character relationship I've mm-hmm. ever seen in a sci-fi movie. It was good. I because yeah. you okay. believe every second of it. Yeah, one of my favorite things about um, Joy's kind of arc was that we learn more about like because it it, it implies that like he designed her right like it, uh, when he goes to his console like you see settings where he can change like body type and hair color and stuff like that. Kind right? of, yeah, that's alluded to. I don't know if that's for sure. Yeah, but it's cool because well, th- then later, what? Go ahead, Will. No, I was gonna say. I mean, I think the ending kind of suggests that the model is one, but he can well, like change different that, features. That alludes so. that alludes to what I was saying about. I was worried that this vignette, this whole artificial intelligence thing, would be a distraction, just qu- sort of there. But that is the subplot that crystallizes the entire movie and it leads to the perfect scene where he is standing there, realizes she calls him Joe, and in that freaking moment, he knows who he is. And I've never mm-hmm. been so pumped up. Like, And he goes from that into this chasing and the music, and it was yeah. an experience. Like, That is how you do a freaking third act. That's some Spider-Man 2 level. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm getting. You know what? So, but yeah, I was just, should I call you Joe Negroni from now on? <laughs> That's not who I am. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hold on, I gotta go save Harrison for his life. <laughs> um, but what what I was saying was, I, I just thought it was cool how before we see um, her like as as an advertisement, right? I think our first introduction to her is in his house, right? Yeah. So the reveal of her as being like, oh, she's a model on a everything here. you want to see, everything you want to hear, yeah, Ugh, like that kind man. of stuff. I was just like. That is like that's genius. Like the way that they reveal that was just one of my. But like the competing themes of like him living this fake life because he doesn't feel like a real person, and then he has that little bit of hope that maybe he's special, and they deconstruct the crap out of the chosen one, the Mm -hmm. like only you can save us Mm -hmm. trope, in a way that I just I adore because like every story is like you're the chosen you know and they decide no he's not the kid he's not really special but the, that's the point the point is that he just 
him knowing that a replicant doesn't have to be natural uh, born to have a soul like because he thought he was that's what made him ruin the baseline Mm -hmm. and he because he decided he was human that's what makes a replicant what a replicant is and that's the wall that robin wright's character uh, madam that's what she breaches upon in that speech and it's the thesis of the movie and like movies aren't usually this good like movies aren't usually so good at put laying all this stuff out yeah also, Robin Wright did great too. I uh, yeah, I felt I felt her death scene. Yeah. I I don't know. I maybe just because like uh, I, how much of I enjoy um, House of Cards, but like right. it's cool to see her in more <laughs> roles because right. she was also in uh, Wonder Woman and looks like she's going to mm-hmm. be in the, the next one too. But she's just such <laughs> she's really good at playing a badass woman. Am I allowed to say that? Sorry, we're okay. Yeah, I think it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Get, no alarms went off. <laughs> yeah, get the explicit symbol up on this episode, I guess. Um, but yeah, and then one of the things I thought was really cool, and I when I talked about this in my review was how they they I was worried at first because they were painting him to be this you know this chosen only one, and, and like, they gave us some compelling evidence. Yeah. And it's, it's hard not to conclude like oh, I guess that's where the movie's going. Yeah, and that and I was worried at that. I was like, this is too easy. Like that's when I when I was talking about how I like to you know figure plots out. I was like, I figured that. Out. I was like, wait, but they wanted me to. Like they're laying this on pretty heavy. Did the twist get you, Will? Which one exactly? The one where he finds out who the re- the daughter is actually the Dreamweaver. Okay, are we allowed to? I, uh, I've been trying not to yeah, say, I was gonna like, say son and daughter, and like I didn't know. Well, what I mean, it's spoilers. Okay, cool. Well, I didn't know yeah, how I was deep say, that I think, went. Yeah, I mean, if you um, get on this, it's like there was a moment where I kind of was like, "Is that like what they're going for?" And then I just kind of disregarded. I was like, "I don't know if that's really where they're gonna go." And then they went to. I was like, "No, oh, I mean, they they put it together in a very satisfying way." Obviously, like we were saying before, but uh. I'd say I didn't, I, I thought about it like a brief passing moment, but it didn't really connect. I didn't think that was exactly where they're going to go. Okay. It caught me off guard completely. I, I had no idea. Yeah. Well, when they mentioned that like there was a female, I tried to think like who the child could be. And I was like, well, it's not love. And it's not, I went through all the female characters and I was like, I didn't really consider it was the dream joy. leader because like, well, you know, and I should have like <laughs> that, that, that was a good twist because I should have thought it was her, but I, I bought into the narrative that she had been in there all her life. So I didn't really, you know, but that was a very compelling twist because it does actually work. It, you know, it's not one that feels random. Like it's the, the fact that like he went to the person who created his memories that makes sense that he would come across the true originator of the memory and all that. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, worked for me. Yeah. And I didn't realize until after the movie that I was uh, Carly Jurley from what lands, which is a very good film. If you're is ever looking really for her? a good Oh man! Yeah, man, I think Wetlands so. Wetlands is a gross movie. <clears throat> yeah, that is a gross movie. I like it a lot, though. And your name but... is uh, Anna in this movie. Um, so anyway, yeah, yeah. And I was gonna say one other thing, just real quick, is um, now that we've kind of talked about the rebellion thing, when they brought up the rebellion, or when the rebellion was introduced, and the leader of it was like, "You need to kill Deckard." I was like, oh my gosh, it's another movie where Harrison Ford's going to get killed by his son. (laughs) I was like, how does this, like, is 2017 the year of Harrison Ford just like, I want to be out of everything, you know what I mean? Uh, Yeah, that fell out of nowhere. Yeah, it was just, so I was worried. It's like, okay, so they're doing what Star Wars did. Like, he's getting killed by his kid after a long time. Because at that point, you still believe that that uh k or joe is mm-hmm. is the kid so you're like oh crap like but J-K, i was really yeah literally i was really happy that that's not where it went yeah i think i got some major westworld vibes from that subplot and that i think either. it's my least favorite part of the movie but you know it's it so random it, it, i that was that was one of the things i didn't feel like was really necessary at all for this but like it does sort of explain a couple things or so whatever i really enjoyed some of the subtle things like how you know they kind of show how uh, Deckard, it, it, they allude to Deckard being the one who left the flower at the tree because they show him like growing plants and stuff in mm-hmm. Las Vegas. I love the little hit that San Diego is like the dump of Los Angeles <laughs> was I, hilarious. That was really funny. But that was the subplot that I think they could have taken out of the movie to like cut on, cut down on time a bit. Like him getting the horse turned into what I think was like an excuse to have a big action thing with like the bombs or whatever. And I don't know. I feel like they really could have cut that down. Do you guys agree? I can see where you're coming from with it. I liked it, but I can also see like if it was out of the movie, I don't think the movie would have suffered. I'm in agreement with Maverick on this one. That's fine. (laughs) I'm just trying to figure out where we can cut some stuff, guys. That's all. No, leave it alone. This episode's (laughs) getting about as long as, uh, 
Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> <laughs> well, subtle hints aside, uh, do we do we have anything else to add? I mean, we've covered a lot. Um, I think we've done spoilers pretty tastefully because we're. I think we're still yeah. leaving a lot of room for people to see the movie and enjoy it. So. I, I feel like if you're listening to this and you have not seen the movie, you're just doing yourself a like why? Yeah, I mean, put an extra super duper warning before. Like, please go into this movie as like unspoiled as unspoiled as possible. I know this is a bad time to say it, but I mean, uh, Will yeah, cares about please. you guys. And he just wants yeah. you to not get spoiled. That's well, it's only that they're telling me not to tell any spoilers. So they didn't tell I me that. To... So I can do whatever yeah. I want. They all die. That's not true. Oh, wow. That's know. a weird interpretation of the film. <laughs> what do you guys think <laughs> of the criticism though? That like, I mean, some people are saying the first one's better because it was more original, but I've, I'm hearing from you guys that this movie is original. So I don't know what to believe. Um, I don't, I think this movie has more on its mind. I don't know if, it's necessarily more original, but it's just, I mean, it just, I think it's honestly just building on what the original film was. It's taking what made that film good and just building on it and making it smarter and more sophisticated, like I was saying before, and more relevant to our times. And I mean, I think that's what a good sequel should do. So I'm, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, w- I would say that the first one is more original, but I think this one is better. That's hmm. as simple as I can get about that, I guess. Because it, it, it ta- I mean, like Will said, it takes those things from the first yeah. one that were great about it being original, and it just it improves on. I don't know if Will said that it improves on them, but it, it yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. It, it improves on those those original themes and makes them better. Which I don't know, and I still think that they did it with originality. I, I mean, yeah, they they expanded on things that we've already seen, but still made them unique and new and fresh. What did you guys think of the artificial intelligence romantic scene? Uh, Interesting. It, it reminded me a lot of the one that was the most I was reminded of her. Yeah, because it it's scene. the same setup. Yeah. Well, except that in her, they kind of they do a little more. Uh, I don't know if tastefully is a word, but they do a little more. I need to see that. Uh, suggestively, I, I mean, they kind of they 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 leave more to the imagination in her than they do in this movie. But hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, definitely Maverick. You should check out her because I think that's one of my favorite movies of this decade so far. I really, for a lot of reasons. I really enjoyed Gosling. Uh, I think he played a replicant so well. Like he was yeah. perfect for this role, and I, I do really enjoy most of his movies. I'm in that yeah. camp. The moment he was um, with the memory creator, and he kind of like broke down for a second. That was when I was like, "Whoa, he's doing such a fantastic job." Because up until then, I didn't realize like how good of a job he was doing at being kind of like robotic and unhuman. Yeah. Like, right? He was very stale yeah. and stuff like that. But like in it, you know, purposely and in a good way. And then when he breaks and like starts screaming, I was just like, "Holy cow, he's doing a fantastic job!" Mm-hmm. Like that was so out of nowhere mm-hmm. for me that I just he that's carries I, the film. That's when I appreciated him a lot more. And so he he's the reason the film works as much as it does. And, and you do have these moments like Carla Jury is like brilliant in just two scenes. Like I I was shocked like by how good that performance was with so little, especially mm-hmm. in the very end. Mm-hmm. Ford doesn't have much to do, but oh my gosh, like this guy is like that that was such a great that that was such a great thing to happen toward the end of the film. It just really brings everything back. Like mm-hmm. you re- like the energy it infuses, the whole Las Vegas set piece. It was much needed. Yeah. And I it was so palpable. I can't wait to rewatch the movie knowing what I know too because I mean, like, there are so many little things I still keep thinking about, like the fact that uh, Jared Le- Wallace, Jared Leto's character, is blind. Tyrell mm-hmm. like loses his eyes in the first movie, mm-hmm. like it's just over and over, like all of these things. Like, I, I, sorry, I, I, I didn't even make that connection. I, I keep watching huh. it again, and it, because they're subtle about it, but like that's the thing. Yeah, no, like, I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also wanted to bring up since we're talking about supporting performances uh dave batista is also really good in like a five minute yeah i was just gonna say i thought for the little bit he had he did really good very impressive um uh and mackenzie davis as more or less the fill-in for daryl hannah in this one very Uh, (laughs) but in a good way i think like little yeah yeah, i mean i don't mean that in a mean way yeah Uh, i thought she was a fantastic uh character in general um Mm -hmm. you know robert yanez jr uh friend of the podcast he reviewed the film and we got this covered uh he gave the film that right in line with you will ashton uh he had four and a half stars fantastic rating uh he said the latest denise villeneuve achievement blade runner 2049 is the rare sequel that both pushes the franchise to challenging new places and serves as a natural extension of what's come before i couldn't agree anymore 
And I think we, I think that'll do it then for, uh, for our Blade Runner review. <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on. Um, it was, unless there was something you guys have to add. Please go see this. <laughs> yeah, that's more or less all I have to say as well. Just, I mean, make sure you see us in the theater if you can on the biggest screen possible. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, mini reviews. All right, let's do our mini reviews. Will Ashton, you saw Mountain Between Us or The Mountain Between Us. I'm not sure which. I honestly cannot remember the title. I keep calling it The Mountains Between Us and The Mountain. Yeah, like you said, Mountain Between Us. I, I can never remember the full title of this movie, but it has yeah, it has one. two incredible performers, Kate Winslet and Idris Elba. Uh, mm-hmm. Will, what is the movie about and is it worth checking out? All right, so the plot of the film is there is uh, a surgeon and a photographer surgeon both he said sergeant what did i say he, he said, said sergeant. sergeant it's like sergeant oh, surgeon that's sergeant. what i thought you meant was sergeant sturgeon there's oh, a sturgeon man. in the mountains <laughs> oh no not again uh <laughs> surgeon i hope i said it right that time and uh a photographer who for different reasons need to be in their destination before the f- the plane they were supposed to be on can get there because it's delayed and there's this mountain setting that there's a lot of turbulence, whatever. So they get into a plane with Bew Bridges and they kind of connect for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, uh Oh, catastrophe. There's a plane crash and now they're stuck on the top of the mountain and they have to fend for their lives. Uh, that's a bare premise of the film. Um, it's basically like an old fashioned kind of, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to give away what kind of film this is because I feel it's a spoiler, but at the same time, most of the marketing I've seen is kind of given away. So this movie is a romance, um, which is something that I did not know going in, but it's something that I guess is not a secret. Uh, it's, I mean, it's like an old fashioned kind of like forties film where they're obviously in this dangerous situation, but they always seem like they're like, can't keep their hands well groomed. each other. Yeah. Like they're like well groomed. Like it, it, it looks like a set. Like when they're actually in like the plane that they that harbors some on top of the mountain and like they like have like only minor bruises and stuff like that when they get in this traumatic plane crash. But I mean, uh oh, and also there's a dog with them that, you know, is surviving through most of these horrendous things. Um I don't know. I mean, I wish I had more that I could really scorn or, you know, celebrate with this film because it's just kind of a nice matinee film for like the older crowd who want something that's like pretty you know conflict filled but not completely challenging it's you know more or less what you expect once you get into this film uh i mean kate winslet and idris elba like you said are two of the like finest performers we got today and they do very fine jobs with this film but they aren't necessarily doing like extraordinary work here like they're not you know taking the material and making it anything more than you would expect. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of running short on time. It's really just kind of an okay film. I, at the time, I gave it like a B minus, but now I'm kind of leaning more towards a C plus. I mean, if this is your kind of thing, you'll like it. If you're not, I mean, I don't really see how even like a Redbox rental would really satisfy you. So I would give it, yeah, like a like a C plus. That's a bummer. I I honestly was expecting less. <laughs> like I was expecting lower yeah. than a C plus based on. Just, just the trailers. I, I really yeah. was interested. Yeah, I mean, it, you can kind of tell in my review, and I'm not really like super enthused by it, just because like it's just it's like a super middle of the road movie. I mean, like I mean, I, I like seeing Bew Bridges again. That was nice. I mean, mm. the dog was cute. I mean, that, like it just really minor things stick out to me. Like when there's this film about people trapped on a mountain. So I don't know. I mean, if you think it's for you, I, I guess give it a red box rental, but. I mean, I'd say most people can skip this. All right. Will do. Um, yeah. See, that worked because your name is Will. And anyway. Yep. You got him, John. I get it. <laughs> I couldn't. You roasted me. Sometimes I got to hold back a little bit. You know? That's why you're the best in the biz. <laughs> Let's. Uh, oh, man. I really want to talk about The Good Place Season 2 because I wanted to talk about it last week, but we had uh, you know some other fish to fry, uh, sturgeon specifically. But yes, Good Place. Uh, okay, first of all, The Good Place Season 1 is on Netflix. And because of the nature of this show, uh, I have to say, I can't really say that much about Good Place Season 2. That's that the kind of show that this is. And I am going to say like general things about it. But uh, honestly, 
The Good Place. It's the same anchors of Parks and Recreation. Uh, it stars Kristen Bell, uh, who I think is a very not underrated actress, but she's somebody who is sort of, you know, she gets a, she's been she's had a lot of thankless roles over the year that, and I've always enjoyed her. Many from Veronica Mars to even like the lifeguard. I mean, she she puts she puts out that? good work. Yeah, because that movie was filmed like I'd say like, I think twenty minutes from my house, and I haven't seen it yet. But I've heard kind of negative things about it. It's not a great movie, but I enjoy her in it. Like I, I yeah. Kristen Bell is the kind of person who just. I think she really commits to roles and I don't think she usually gets credited for that. Like I, I, no, I really agree. find her to yeah. be a very different, she's doing something very different with every role she has. And if you have a problem with Kristen Bell, for example, in any of the movies she's been, I think forgetting Sarah Marshall is probably uh, her most well-known movie role. Um, you can challenge me on that. She's been in so many random comedies, you know, but yeah, I mean, specifically with The Good Place, she is a totally different character in the premise of this show. You can check out the first season on Netflix. I highly recommend it. Uh, I love it as much as I love Parks and Recreation, which is one of my favorite sitcoms uh, in the last decade. And uh, it, it it really is a fantastic premise and such a good ensemble. The whole premise is that Kristen Bell uh, in the show she dies and she goes to the good place and ted danson is in this show and he's amazing in this he is the architect of the good place so it's like a personal heaven right where she spends the afterlife with other people who made it to the good place the problem is uh, she isn't supposed to be in the good place because she was a bad person her entire life and the show is so funny i mean it uh several the episodes take you through like flashbacks of like what these characters were like on earth. And you just see how despicable Kristen Bell was to like everyone in her life. And she's such a, she's so good at being a bad person. (laughs) It's very funny. Um, but the whole ensemble of this show is really good. Uh, I'm blanking on the names of the actors, but because they're not, they're not actors. Uh, I think a lot of mainstream audiences have seen. There are a lot of great like, uh, cameos, like from Adam Scott, for sure. And, uh, oh man, uh, I forget her name. Uh, she, she's the actress who, see, I couldn't explain it, but there, there are great cameos is the base of it. A lot of parks and recreation cameos, which makes sense because Kristen Bell is in that show. Uh, she has a recurring role in that as well. But anyway, uh, the good place, it, it is the kind of show that has such a weird, like it's this almost like fantasy world. It's heaven where like anything can happen and crazy stuff happens. Uh, Kristen Bell's character is trying to learn how to be good and she has to keep it a secret that she's not supposed to be there. And, uh, it, it's a really fun show. And the way that season one ends, it ends on this note of like, how do they keep this show going? Like, it's very strange because you're just like, how does this even work? And I I was worried. Like, I started season two and I was kind of like, I don't know. I feel like this is a one season kind of show. That was fun. It was clever. But they're not going to be able to keep this going. I am so glad I was wrong. <laughs> I've seen the first three episodes of season two. And it it this show proves to me, proves to be one of the most clever shows on network TV right now. Uh, it's probably NBC's best comedy right now i I, I can't even think of another one that's as good uh it's hilarious it's heartwarming it's sweet but it's also like it's just got that parks and recreation breeziness to it that makes it a great show to binge and uh, i highly recommend you check it out and if you make it to see the end of season one you'll definitely want to start digging into the rest of this season on hulu for sure i know maverick you're not the biggest fan i guess I mean, not really. I haven't seen enough of it to make like, he started, a true... He watched the season finale of season one. Okay, hold on. I, I didn't context. just like sit down on Netflix and go, oh, I'm going to watch the season finale of this. It was <laughs> on, and I didn't know it was a season finale. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, cool. I blame I'll check this show out. Don't you... Yeah, it's probably true. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I like I said, I haven't seen enough of it to really inform a decision on it. I, I've been trying to get... He's like, I'm never going to watch it, but... Yeah, now I don't want to, though. Yeah, exactly. It became a thing. Uh, okay, Maverick, walk us through Longshot on Netflix. So yeah, uh, Longshot is another installment of one of Netflix's really cool um, kind of like crime documentaries where they yep. go through interesting crime stories. Um, past ones, Making a Murderer was a really popular one. Um, the Amanda Knox one was really good. Um, they did uh, one on OJ as well. So they're, they've kind of got a lot of these recurring... Um, True crime. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Um, this is the story of Juan... Catalan or Catalan. I don't know how to pronounce the last name. Um, and it's a story of this man who is 
arrested for murder uh, that he did not commit and kind of follow the story of the prosecutor and the defense attorney who are trying to prove his innocence. Um, and the way that his innocence is proved is really, really cool. Um, turns out that Juan was at a LA Dodgers game the night of the murder and they can't prove it. And they go through all of these film clips of, and this is all revealed in the trailer. I'm not like, they pretty much gave away the whole thing in the trailer. Um, but they go through all these clips from like, you know, the TV, uh, what the, what was put on TV, what Dodger Stadium you know, recorded on their own as well. And they can't find proof that Juan was there. And then at a weird twist of fate, um, Larry David was filming an episode of his show Curb Your Enthusiasm from season seven. <laughs> oh, I did hear about this. And, and he was there filming his episode. Uh, the episode was one where he wants to go to a Dodgers game, but he can't because traffic's too bad. So he picks up a hooker so he can take the carpool lane there. And... <laughs> that's the, it's like season seven episode four or something like that but they're filming there and you know the the they're going through this and, and like the prosecutor's saying like he has no proof like there's nothing they enter like one of the most gut-wrenching parts of this was they show the clip of the pros- prosecutor like um, asking his daughter's questions on the stand and he's just bawling as he's watching his daughter like because at that point she had the best evidence she was he took his daughter to the game so like she was his only witness really so it was it was just really you know crazy but in this like little side shot it they went out to get some snacks and they came back and Larry David ended up filming on his aisle for one of these shots and they weren't letting people go past but because he was dressed in all Dodgers gear they thought it would be a good shot so they let him walk down the aisle as oh, as man. as Larry David's walking up and you see him turn around and get his daughter into their seats and like that proves that he was at this game that they can't prove it. And it's like, it's so cool. And, and the sucky thing is, I, I'm just going to give away the whole thing. Sorry, everybody, whatever. Um, is that like, even at that point, because the game, um, like he was there at that time stamp on the game, they still are like, well, that doesn't matter because the murder you know, occurred this much later in the day and there's no proof that you didn't leave early. So they also have to use his cell phone records, calling his wife saying, hey, we're running late from the game to show that at like 10, 10, 15 minutes before the murder was committed, he was calling his wife from the stadium. And it's like all this stuff just like was oh really and like all of it was super coincidental. Like he wasn't supposed to be at that game. He bought the tickets for his mom, but his mom didn't want to go. So last minute he decided to go and like his daughter almost didn't want to go. So he almost stayed home, but she ended up want- like, it was this, all these crazy coincidental things that saved this man from getting the death penalty. Because, I smell a sitcom because or I the, smell a conspiracy. Yeah. The, the prosecuting uh, attorney at that time had never lost a case and was known as the sniper because she was famous for getting people put on death row and getting them put to the death penalty. So like Larry David's show essentially helped save this man's life from like a false prosecution. Wow. It's great. Another uh, even reason. though I gave away most of it, I still think it's worth watching. It's it's such a cool show. One of my favorite shots was there's this moment where they show the guy who was holding the camera who didn't know the camera was on that he basically saved this man's life. And like you see him realize like wait, that's him? Like he's not like it's it's so cool. It's it's definitely worth watching, especially if you were into the OJ, the Amanda Knox making murder. It's not as intense or as long as <laughs> making a murderer. It's only a forty minute uh, thing. It goes by pretty quick. But if you're into those at all, it's 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 a lot of fun and it's really cool. What were you saying, Will? I was going to say another reason to celebrate Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah. Sure, I've never seen. Oh, it's so really? good, John. Oh, it's oh, so good. Man. The new season just started, and I have to still watch. I'm still behind on the premiere, but I've heard it's really good. I smell a bottle and episode. It's good. <sighs> yeah, you should. I mean, only the only problem with that is that it's like nine seasons or it's so. It's still so going, it's like, too. So Yeah. Um, but it's it's so good. You should definitely check out Curb Your Enthusiasm. I always wanted to, but yeah. Yeah. But uh, Maverick, what's the OJ documentary you're talking about? I don't know what. OJ Made in America? Yeah, that's, what, the, that's okay. the one that's like really long. There were yeah, two that yeah, came out at the same time. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say that's not that's not Netflix. That's like ESPN, I think. Isn't there's also an no, OJ so, Netflix thing? Yeah, too, Netflix right? did one and uh, a thirty for thirty one. They both came out in like the same month. But yeah. there there is a Netflix one. Oh, wow. I don't know if it's Made in America or the OJ story, but one of them is it's on one Netflix. of those things. That's, like the OJ yeah. story is like the John Denver of like everybody yeah. just decides all at once. We, yeah, and also last year there was a People versus OJ Simpson. So yeah. yeah, I don't know what was up with last year and OJ, but I think that was it. Yeah. People versus OJ. That was an FX show. That, but it was like the same time as yeah. these documentaries. Yeah. So it was just a weird a coincidence that there was all these OJ things that came out. Or no, that's time. Uh, sorry. I was also I was thinking of American Crime Story. Um, yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, that was all of our mini reviews for this week. 
Uh, join us next week when we're going to be talking about the Florida Project. Oh, I'm so excited. I believe we're also talking about The Foreigner. I really hope we are. Probably. Uh, Happy Death Day and yeah. Yeah. the Meyerowitz stories and maybe a couple more. Uh, it's going to be a big episode next week. So if you love our show and you want it to continue, don't forget to leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Uh, when you leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts, it lets us know what to you know what you think of the show, obviously, and all Jonah, that good feedback. I'm going to just stop you right there because the most important thing our listeners can do this week is make sure that they comment my name should be in the intro. I need 32 of you. Will said it. Bill Action himself decreed that 32 people need to comment on any of our platforms. Private messages will also be accepted. <laughs> Personal, I don't care. You can call me. I don't care. I want 32 people to say that my name should be in the intro because His I think number I is it. five five five. Yeah. So yeah, that on that note, yeah, check us out on our Facebook page, Cinemaholics, uh, to get all the latest episode updates and to connect with us and uh, see what we're up to, what we're going to be watching, all that fun stuff. Uh, we're also on Twitter at WGTC Cinemaholics, and uh, yeah, that'll do it for us this week and as always thank you for listening uh it's always fun to do the show and i i feel like we had a this was one of the rare it was a rare podcast it was where we really got to speak highly of a movie and uh yeah i'm trying to think of the last time we all loved a movie i i, I can't think of a movie we all gave an eight or, or a minus or higher to. i don't think that's happened yeah i think that might be the first time we all liked good so. time didn't we oh no will hated it no, no, I like Good Time. Well, I gave that an A minus. Yeah, he gave that like a C minus. Yeah, he he failed it, right? He said <laughs> these no, are these are not things that happen. <laughs> the last time we all loved a movie this much was Ghost in the Shell. I think I, I guess it was Good Time, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. All right. Well, this is the this is the first time we loved a movie in like three weeks. So anyway, hooray! Um, yeah, and I hope I hope the same can go for Florida Project. I'm really yeah. excited about talk about. Well, we'll talk about that. We also all love BoJack, which is a movie, obviously. But yeah, but I give that, that like a, our, yeah. I give that an A plus 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 plus. It's the same. That movie okay. saved my life. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, that'll do it for us from the Internet, California. I'm John Agroni. From the Internet, Pennsylvania, I'm Will Ashton. And from the broadband basement, please comment 32 times. Get my name in the <laughs> intro. I am Maverick Hines. <laughs> See you next time. <laughs>